Welcome to the Compassion Parenting Podcast, helping moms to love wisely and well. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Wild, integrative pediatrician and mom of eight sons who continually challenge and teach me. Over the years, I've learned that rather than outward technique, it's the internal landscape of the heart that affects parenting more than anything else. Mothering is about being, not just doing. You have everything you need within you to become the parent you want to be. So let's bring it out. I think we've all heard the idea of resilience and thought we probably could use a little more of it, but sometimes you don't always know what it is. Um, today in our episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Robin Hanley Defoe. She is a psychology professor, a speaker, an author, focusing on resilience. Um, her book is called Calm Within the Storm, A Pathway to Everyday Resilience. So Dr. Robin, welcome. Thank you, Dr. Mary. I'm excited to be here. Maybe we could just start out by talking about our favorite definitions of resilience, because there are different ways that it gets defined. and. A lot of times we just throw words around without mm -hmm. even connecting with a specific definition. So yeah. some definitions that that I've heard and that I like are just the idea of like adaptability, mm -hmm. um, resourcefulness, the ability to bounce back. Mm -hmm. How do you define resilience in your world? Yeah. So similarly, like I appreciate your, your definitions there, that idea of hardiness, that ability to adapt, that nimbleness mm -hmm. that we need to meet the challenges of our daily lives. And in my work specifically, how I've chosen to focus the idea of resiliency is this idea of how do we get Get to this place and hold the idea of being okay. So mm -hmm. not the kind of usual idea about, you know, trying to get faster or stronger or better or not to feel certain things, mm -hmm. but this real steadfast confidence that we are okay and we mm -hmm. will be okay. And okay is enough. Mm -hmm. I think that that's wonderful. And it's something that's accessible. Mm -hmm. Like, okay is accessible yeah. and it, it allows us to be real. Yes. So I love that. Yeah. And also I just briefly, I can share with you, you know, when, when I was learning about these ideas and coming upon them in my scholarship and also my lived experience as a mother with three teenagers, yes. I realized, you know, reflecting on things like, for example, when persons are unfortunately experience a car accident, let's say, mm -hmm. and the first responders arrive, the first thing they say is that you're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And that's a lifeline. Or mm -hmm. if somebody's having a medical procedure and you wait for that medical staff to come out and they say, okay, your person's okay. Mm -hmm. They pulled through. That's really the, the heart of what we hope for as parents. Mm -hmm. And I think that I, I really resonate with that idea of okayness. Mm -hmm. And um, in a recent talk that I gave, I talked about how the main message a mother needs to send a child is everything's going to be okay. Like, mm -hmm. and, and sometimes as parents, we, aren't in tune with that message ourselves. And then it makes it harder to mm -hmm. really reassure our kids. And it doesn't mean that nothing is going to go wrong or, you know, things aren't going to be hard, but it just means that we can make it through. Absolutely. So. 
Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I come upon in my work, working with families, you know, worldwide is this idea that there's so much, uh, there's so much pressure on family systems and persons that were supposed to be all the things above and beyond. Okay. That okay. Almost Mm -hmm. seems like we're setting for like like mediocre where that is not the heart of it because okay. Means that I'm really grounded and I'm aligned in who I am and what I am able to do and how I'm able to navigate my world. So again, I appreciate that there's so much invisible labor that goes into trying to create these environments for our children where they thrive and and just are really always pushing the needle. And I think one of the kindest and most compassionate things we can do is take the pressure off and let Mm -hmm. people become who they are and be able to be, you know, of service and find their traction and their place in the world. Definitely. Well, I know in your writing and your work, you, you use this concept of everyday resilience. And tell us a little bit more about that, about really allowing resilience to just permeate our everyday reality. Yes. So a lot of the time when I started this research nearly 20 years ago, there was a lot of conversation about things like grit and toughness that, you know, it was almost as if it was needed in like an isolated incident, right? So Mm. you had one bad thing happen and then you had to do this one act of courage or persistent. And then all of a sudden the, it's like end of story. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I've come upon in my work is that it's not singular. It's not an isolated event. It's absolutely in everything that we do, we're going to have this ability to be able to navigate and to cope on the fly, so to speak. So I call it everyday resiliency because I was so curious about what were the pillars or the foundations that as families and caregivers, we could set up for our family systems and our children so that they had that solid foundation that they can weather different things that come their way. And, And what we identified, Dr. Mary, is that there were five really significant areas. And I'm happy to tell you, we bit about those if that would be appropriate i would love that and and just to be able to make it really real in terms of um how we as parents can apply these five things Mm -hmm. that'd be wonderful for sure so the first one is a sense of belonging and this is where we get that sense of deep security that safety knowing that we have the that psychological safety to be seen and heard and respected and valued as we are that we are these unique entities in the world that are part of a really vibrant ecosystem that wants us to do well. All right. So having people in your corner, knowing we're on a home team, having a child be able to know that, yes, there's going to be setbacks, heartaches, challenges in the world, but you don't have to walk it alone. They're never going to have to face it alone is the real key idea about belonging. Now, the second is perspective, and some refer to it as mindset or an attitude. Mm -hmm. But in our work, it's this idea about really helping us to get our head and our heart in alignment, getting our head and our heart on the same page. And as we know, sometimes that's where the greatest deltas can lie between what we think and how we feel. So how we can cultivate that as parents is really helping to establish our values. What do we stand for? What do we believe in? What are the things that matter most? and how do we make those things matter most? So perspective is very important. And the third we talk about in my work is acceptance. And I appreciate that uh, this causes a wee bit of resistance because Mm -hmm. there's some things in the world that we don't want to accept. Maybe Mm -hmm. we didn't sign up for this. We never perhaps chose for our children to be raised in a single parent household. Maybe Mm -hmm. that's not what we wanted for them or that's not what we imagined yet. It's a reality that many of us face. So learning 
to think about how do we work with our controllables? And a lot of times I'd see families and children and teenagers put a lot of their energy and their resources in things that are unmovable. We can't change them. So the invitation is to find different ways of approaching and learning how to coexist with some of the hard parts. And again, it's not easy, but we recognize it will serve us better when we learn to work with and co-create opportunities with the hard parts. Mm -hmm. Now, the fourth one we talk about in my work is hope, choosing to live hope-filled and living in hope with others. That's a really powerful place to be. And as parents, and caregivers, I think that is so important that we are the, the knowledge holders for our children. Mm-hmm. We keep the record of their childhood, their toddlerhood, their school agehood into teenagerhood. And, and even when they go into adulthood, we are the ones that witness this. Yeah. And sometimes what I think happens is, you know, we get kind of a wee bit overwhelmed with the state of the world and all of the unknowns. And what we can do as parents are, again, be those knowledge holders, but also hold that spaciousness for hope. Mm -hmm. Let them understand that we believe in them and we trust that they'll be able to figure this out. I think there's so much power in this idea of um, kind of self-fulfillment in in what we're envisioning for our kids and and who Mm -hmm. we see them as having the potential to become. And what I've called that too is like the idea of like holding space for your vision of them because Mm -hmm. there are always moments that we need to have someone kind of remind us of that vision. So tell us the fifth. Yeah, the last one, I I appreciate your comment there. The last one is, it's actually a wee bit of a wild card, but it's this idea of humor, like Mm -hmm. lightheartedness, joy, merriment, play, laughter, Mm -hmm. all of those things that contribute to us being able to hold good feelings and good feeling thoughts. And I appreciate when things are heavy and hard, it's hard to hold space to be able to still cultivate those good feelings. But what we know is that, as you know, as a pediatrician, there's a biological component to those things, you yes. know, for, for example, as our children laugh or experience creativity, we know that natural tranquilizers are released. So they don't feel pain for that moment, which just allows them to experience some of those tender parts of the mm-hmm. world, even in challenging seasons. Mm-hmm. So what I see in my work is those five pillars work together to create a very solid foundation that we can help cultivate for our family system. So that way we can weather what comes our way. Well, I love those things. And so just to review them, we've talked about belonging, perspective, acceptance, hope, and humor. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's so natural sometimes for kids to be more lighthearted than adults. So sometimes Mm -hmm. we have to look to our kids on that one. If we're having a hard time being over serious, then sometimes our kids can guide us in that one. I think just being able to enter into the world of playfulness Mm -hmm. with our kids a little bit. Um, so one thing I saw that you talked about in some of the writing you did is the idea of being able to hold on to dual truths. And I think Mm -hmm. this connects with the idea of the pillar of acceptance Mm -hmm. that sometimes things can be hard yet wonderful, or they can yeah. be troubling, but interesting. And I, I think that sometimes that is the mark of emotional maturity to be mm-hmm. able to experience the duality of things yes. and not even sometimes duality, but sometimes kind of the pluralism mm-hmm. of, yes. of experience. Now on a day-to-day basis, mm-hmm. 
these pillars are wonderful. They sound mm -hmm. so um, inspiring. How do we bring them kind of down to the earth, down to yes. our everyday world? How do we mm -hmm. intersect them mm -hmm. into our, our lives with our kids day to day? Yeah. So I think a couple of my approaches that I'd love to share. The first one as, as parents is recognizing the need and the distinction between being a rescuer versus a supporter. And I think we have a propensity to want to rescue our children mm -hmm. from all of it, from big feelings, from disappointments, from all the things. And of course we want to mitigate risk. That's our job is to mm -hmm. ensure that they're safe. But we want to make sure that they're also learning how to think on their feet, how to manage feedback, how to manage disappointments. So recognizing when sometimes we need to be a supporter and stand with them as they're learning and the new opportunities are unfolding versus always taking them out of that situation or always almost kind of going ahead and shielding them from whatever comes their way. And I can share with you teaching the university for 16 years. I see first year students in university who have had a pristine, perfect path paid for them. They haven't had any disappointments, any heartaches, any, any setbacks. And then all of a sudden the family system isn't there anymore, Dr. Mary, and they don't know how to navigate. They don't know how to do setbacks. They don't know how to do feedback. They can't really think on the fly. So recognizing that when you're little, you have little problems and the right. stakes are lower versus when you're older, the stakes are higher and the consequences are greater. So letting people figure things out sometimes I think is one of the ways we can practice everyday resiliency with our kids. And I'd like to just interject there, the whole phrase of standing with, that's actually one of the yeah. pillars of compassion parenting. And so I love that. I, I just um, attached right to those, mm -hmm. those two words standing with. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times the context in which I am applying resiliency tools is in the context of anxiety in mm. kids and mm. it is so typical for kids who are anxious to have um, intolerance for distress and when mm. parents come and rescue they're basically sending the message that you're not strong enough you know yeah. this is too big for you of course being well-meaning but the message we really want to send to our kids is you can do this Absolutely. You can figure it out. And so, yeah. but yeah. I'm here. Yeah. And Mary can share with you actually. Um, so when our daughter went into high school, uh, she was navigating some pretty substantive anxiety symptoms and the first few days went extremely well. We were so pleased that she seemed to be transitioning and had no problem making it to school. And she seemed really to be steady and ready. Mm -hmm. And about a week into it, all of a sudden we got a call from the teacher and they shared that Ava was having some, some, you know, she wasn't feeling well right? That your stomach ached. And, and I remember in that moment as a mother being so well aware that if I go and I picked her up right now at school, that this was going to become this power struggle and dance all year. Mm -hmm. So I asked the teacher if I could speak to her and I said, Ava, you're not going to like what I'm going to say. And I love you with all my heart and I'm not coming to get you. You are mm -hmm. going to have to figure this out. We'll unpack it when you get home, but girl, I'm not an option right now. You yeah. have to rally. And what was amazing is the teacher called an hour later and said, I'm sorry, your daughter's still in the office. She's sick. And I said, that's okay. And I got on the phone again. I mm -hmm. said, Ava, I'm not coming. Mm -hmm. I love you. And I love mm -hmm. you enough not to come. Yes. And I can tell you, Dr. Ray, as soon as I hung up the phone, I was in tears. Like it took every ounce of strength for me not to go rescue yes. our daughter and 
we had a lot of those phone calls for two or three days. And then all of a sudden that little switch changed in her when she said to me on the phone after I think three or four days of this, Mm -hmm. she said, you're not coming, are you? I said, no, not Ava. And she said, okay. And then she was fine. She was absolutely fine when she realized that there was no exit strategy on here mm-hmm. and she had to work it through. And again, I just want to empathize with other parents. It is not easy to hold no. the line like that, no. but it's also the kindest thing I could have done for our daughter, I believe. Right. Because we really have to parent forward and think about who do we want our children to become, yeah. not just who are they in this moment? What do they feel like they need right this second? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that takes a lot of weight off us as well when we help them gather their resources. Of mm-hmm. course, we are a resource to them, um, but to have some boundaries about how that resource will be utilized, you know, yes. not necessarily just as, like you said, an exit strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also like how you acknowledge that resilience isn't just a one and done mm-hmm. thing. In the research that I have come across, It just talks about how it's so multifactorial Mm -hmm. that our resilience in a given moment is based on psychological factors, biological factors, cultural factors, and, you know, the the immediate context and and Mm -hmm. temperament and so many things, and that it is a moving and changing thing. And I think that that can give us a lot of hope that if we feel like we don't have resilience Mm -hmm. in a certain moment, it's something we can work toward. And if we feel like our kids don't have resilience, it's something that they can work toward and we can help them Mm -hmm. work toward. As this is a podcast about compassion in parenting, Mm -hmm. let's maybe talk about how building resilience relates to compassion for ourselves, compassion for our kids. And you touched upon it a little bit, but I'd Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear more of your thoughts on this. Yes, for sure. And to me, I actually think the practice of resiliency, it's actually rooted in personal and self-compassion. It's also rooted in self-stewardship where we we are entrusting our lived experience to be in a place where we can show up and manage it. And we're able to figure things out, recognizing that we're taking kind of perfection off the table because that's not a sustainable or a realistic goal. And recognizing that part of the lived experience is we're going to have setbacks. We'll have failure. And of course, there's some ideas around, you know, learning how to fail forward. Like how do we learn from these mistakes or these issues to be able to find a different way to perhaps show up next time? So I think this is very much society of recognizing that there's not only there's not ever one way to do any of this. And Mm -hmm. there's um, many different ways in which we can be resilient and recognizing, as you said, because it's so multidimensional that certain days we might not have a lot of energy focus ability to be able to show up how we want to, but we do have that steadfast trust that we will. Mm -hmm. And sometimes our behavior might be maladaptive, right? Sometimes (laughs) it might not actually be optimal, but all behavior serves a purpose. So even just recognizing that each and every one of us are doing the very best that we can with the tools, the resources, and the energy that we have in that moment. And again, holding that spaciousness to recognize that we are operating from trust. We are trusting that all will be well. And I love that idea all will be well Mm -hmm. and i think that that's something that we can hold on to the idea of being okay and Mm -hmm. and being well so are there any final thoughts that you'd like to share with us or direct our listeners to Mm -hmm. learn more about your work 
Yeah, I think a final thought I would share, and I, I try to share this, you know, when I when I talk to parents is is this idea that I guess one of the, the kindest things that we can do is recognize that our child and their development and their growth isn't necessarily a reflection always about us. And I think so often as parents, we feel as though our children are these little walking measuring sticks of how well we are measuring up in the world. Mm-hmm. And just to really honor the unique lived experience of each one of us. You know, this is our first time navigating a child at this particular age. Mm-hmm. So we need to have our that compassion and that mindfulness that we're doing the best that we can. And again, just recognizing that, you know, there's so much external pressures on what people should be doing or ought to be doing. But when we start to learn how to kind of decipher that noise and turn inward and really operate from our values as parents, we have that intuitive, you know, wise knowing that Mm -hmm. we're going to be all right. We can figure Mm -hmm. this out and to, to trust our instincts because I think a lot of the world is kind of sending this message that as parents, we, we don't trust our instincts. Like right. other people know better than we do. Yeah. You know, you better than anyone else, you know, your child better than anyone else. So turning inward, I think is where we can find some of that peace mm-hmm. and to be a compassionate parent. I do think we need to protect our peace and we're the only ones who can do that work. No one will come and rescue us. No one's going to come in and solve all of it. It's us. To, it's up to us yeah. to hold that space to be able to show up. So that would be my gentle invitation. If, if we can all just take a deep exhale and yeah. take off some of the pressure, I think we would have a very different, uh, very different experience in this season of our lives. Yes. Well, thank you so much for that beautiful message. Thank and you. I will put links to sure. your book and your website in thank the you. show notes. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Compassion Parenting Podcast. I'd love to hear your thoughts. What resonated with you? What questions came up? Let's continue the conversation on Instagram at Compassion Parenting or within my free Facebook group, Parenting Well, Raising Compassionate and Productive Humans. Links are in the show notes. If you've gained insight from the time we've shared today, leave a review and subscribe. There's a quick how-to in the show notes. Have a blessed week. May you love yourself, your family, and the world wisely and well.